I used to just break in a lot of houses, steal cars. Then when I hit 13, I got on drugs with my mum and my dad. I'm Robert and this is my story from the inside. Compared with others the same age, Australian juvenile detainees use drugs much more often, use a wider range of drugs, and start using drugs and alcohol at an earlier age. According to the Australian Institute of Criminology, juvenile detainees frequently experience multiple risk factors in their lives, including strong histories of abuse and neglect, family substance abuse, and problems with school. Yeah, we lived with like my auntie and my uncle for ages, and my other uncles. There was like eight of us living in the one house, and then all their kids as well. Oh, we moved around a lot, but like a lot. Balcata, Joondala, Maddington, Kenwick, Chalice. We just moved around a lot. With my parents, they sold drugs, so once they used the house for a little bit, it got hot by police, they had to move. So obviously we all moved with them, so yeah. I used to find like, drugs, I didn't know it was drugs until I got on with my parents when I was 13. But I didn't know when I was younger and that. I knew that like, something was sus. I knew they were all alcoholics because like, there was always they'd always have drinks and that, and they'd give us alcohol and me and my sister say was good, yeah. They had like coke. They'd have their drinks and like my uncle Jerry used to give us some when my parents weren't looking, but then my parents would give us some as well, so it didn't matter. <laughs> so how old are you? Like ten, nine. I never got on with my mum because my mum and dad broke up when I was young, so they only together for a little bit. I never got on with my mum because my dad ended up getting off everything, but my mum didn't, and she had like abusive boyfriends and that. They used to just beat me. Now me and my sister and that, we used to tell my mum about it, but she never would do anything about it. And we'd tell my dad about it, and he'd go try and fight my mum's boyfriend, but mum, mum would stop him, and then nothing would happen about it. And then yeah, I used to just get suspended, sent to the principal's office. I used to. In primary school, we used to get them to call my dad to get him to let me walk home because I didn't want to stay at school because I said I was sick. But then when it got to high school, I just swagged. Yeah, I was going to anger management. Yeah, they always sent me to that. I was going to therapy as well. I oh, know, I just talked a lot of shit in there. Yeah. Yeah, because my dad would be in the room with me, so I just wouldn't say much. I'd just talk shit. Uh, but yeah, I started using drugs. Meth, weed, and yeah, that's it. That's it. And ecstasy. Because I was still going to see my mum and stay with my mum every now and then, with my sister, because my sister was living there still. I did start doing it every day. I got kicked out because I smashed my dad's sliding door because he went to Bali and I didn't have keys to get in, so I smashed a little hole near the lock so I could unlock it and get back inside, and then he kicked me out for that. Yeah, I was at a mate's for like for a little bit of it, and then I was on the streets for a little bit of it as well, and then I ended up renting my own place off country, and then I used to get kicked out of them like, so I'd end back up on the streets, and then I'd get another one, and then yeah, it was just a cycle. I didn't complete year nine, but they just said to me, "We'll bump you out to year ten because we don't want to deal with you in year nine like again." But yeah, I'd. School didn't know, I don't think, and then I don't think they really bothered with me because I was just always the shit stirrer. 
So I wasn't really there to learn anyway. So that's why I don't think they cared. I started doing breaking enders when I was like 12. But I didn't get that much money. I used to only get like jewellery. And then you sell that off for a couple hundred. You get iPhones, you sell them off. When I did one with my uncle, he told me you go for safes. And then that's when you start getting money for it. Yeah, I wouldn't have went out and done it myself. Fuck that. Because if I was sitting there, I'm not going to be sitting at home and then think, oh, I'll go rob a house. But then when you got a drug habit and you got a lot of mates that are going out and doing shit and you want money as well, then you go out and do it and get money. A lot of people do it, and that's why I did it too. That's why you sit with your mates and then they're like, you know, I know this house that we can rob and get this much money and we can go buy drugs, we can go out tonight, all this. And it sounds good in your head because then you can do shit. That's what convinced me to do it. And also to feed myself because I was poor. So I've understood that, that other people were born lucky in that, into money. But that's just that. You to make yourself money, self-made. I'd love if I was rich or had a rich family. It's just a living situation. If you're poor, then you're gonna do, you're gonna steal and shit to get money. And also, there's just heaps of violence. I got taken to Midland Police Station. My parents wouldn't come bail me out, so they had to take me to Bankshire. Oh, I went in another time for an invasion or a home burglary or something like that. I went for another charge for armed robbery. And then I just did a bunch of grievous bodily harm, aggravated assault charges. It's not really people like Bankshire so they're going to go back in. That happens with man's jail. Once you've been in that long, you know, you get out, you want to go back in. But with kids' jail, it's just a lot of... I reckon it's just being poor. And they look angry. And also all the drugs. Because then when you get out of jail, you, you're fiending for drugs. You don't have sanity. So you're probably going to go do a break and then they go get money to do drugs and then get caught for that and then go back into jail. So it's not like they like it and they want to go back in there. The whole Perth Children's Court, the system, the way they work, because they just look at you as a little scum. Police need to be stopped being so brutal to young kids as well. Yeah, they're just hell aggressive. Yeah, they've held like slammed me into concrete before and like searched us and that because they, they, they probably have kids their own that age but they're rich kids they went to private schools their whole life you know they were raised to know right and wrong so you get put in different living situations you're obviously going to grow up different so they just look at their kids and then look at these kids and then they think different and I know I've got a lot of Noongar mates that have gotten more time and like gotten time for a charge that I didn't get time for or I know someone else didn't get time for and these Nungabwe, some Nungabwe, he got like nine months for a home invasion. And fucking, I know someone else did it with him and didn't get no time. And they both didn't have any other charges. And one was white. Yeah, I reckon just because they're Aboriginal, because they look at them as little street rats. Some judges are harsher on them. Because I know judges can go harsher on people. Because I remember when I was getting sentenced, before I got sentenced, the judge could have thrown me in jail and she said I could because she was like, I'm having a bad day. I lost a family member yesterday so I could throw you in jail today. And I was just like, but she didn't end up doing that, but I was just thinking to myself, like, you can't do that just because you're having a bad day. I never really used to care about freedom, but I don't know what it was. There's always that one where you realise, like, being outside and being, like, free every day is, like, actually a good thing. From my neighbourhood, the kids that were in there, I knew them, and then you obviously, after you've been in there a few times, you see 
a lot of the boys that are in there for a long time and you keep seeing them again a couple of them in adult prison that's why I, do, I just don't, I just help chill out now. I don't like hanging out with all them people because then you're just still doing crime. Because when I got threatened with bank shield when I was in detox, I was like, fuck yeah, I want to go back. Like, I went and did rehab for three weeks and then I got out. Yeah, I don't want to have to break in to make money. It's good work because then it keeps you busy during the week. I don't want to go to jail. I just want to start living my life. Work, travel the country, that's about it. Punishing young people for a disadvantaged and traumatic upbringing only serves to increase the likelihood of poor outcomes later in life, including chronic long-term offending, educational disadvantage, problems with gaining employment in adulthood and increased risk of depression, self-harm and suicide, according to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. It costs $200 a day to imprison someone, but just $25 a day to supervise them in the community while they rehabilitate. We can do this with low-level, low-risk offenders. We need effective solutions to address the underlying causes of offending. Robert's family and community were in poverty, and he was constantly in an environment where illicit substances were available and the use of them exemplified. Crystal meth is chemically addictive, and Robert was able to finally get help only when he received treatment from drug and alcohol youth services. There really are better solutions than repeatedly detaining children. The research has been done. We know that meeting kids and understanding the root behind criminal behaviour of young people leads to a more effective justice system and a safer community for all people, free from crime. Stories from the Inside is brought to you by Social Reinvestment WA, a coalition of Western Australian organisations trying to build a better justice system. It was produced on the lands of Wajak Noongar people. We pay respects to their people, past, present and future. The podcast is produced by Elsa Silverstein. Sophie Stewart is the executive producer. To help spread the message, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and consider giving us a five-star review. For more information or to get involved in the campaign head to socialreinvestmentwa.org.au